Um, And today, we are kicking off our Advent sermon series. Um, And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some pretty commonly used words around this time of the year. Um, So we'll start with today, uh, hope, and then next week we'll go into peace, and then joy, and then love. Uh, So that's kind of a traditional Advent uh, series. And I am excited because I love Christmas, I love Advent, and I love when I get to preach. So I'm excited to to do this. Um, And kind of the way we're going to look at hope this morning is we're going to talk about what is it? Like, what do we, what do I mean when I say hope? Because we can use that in a lot of different ways. So specifically, when we say hope in Advent and how that applies to Jesus, what do we mean? Um, We're going to talk about why is it important? And then lastly, kind of what does Jesus and his birth have to do with that? And so those are, those are kind of the three ways, and we're going to bounce around the Bible quite a bit. Um, but we're going to just, we're going to get started. Um, and so we're going to start with what is hope. But before we do that, and kind of, I'm going to use the kids' sermon to kind of help us define what is hope. Okay, so where are the kids at? Kiddos, can you raise your hand so I can see where you're at? All right, very good. Okay, kids, I have a question. Can someone give me an example how you have heard the word hope used, or could you use hope in a sentence? Zeke. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. There you go. Anything else? I hope you die. Oh, he hopes I die. Okay, we'll talk about that later, all right? Me and you. Anybody else? Kiddos? Johnny? What? Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Uh, one more. Okay, go for it. Okay, he hopes that Thor Ragnarok is not inappropriate. Okay, so, um, and that is, that is a hope. I mean, it's a, it's a good hope, um, I guess. Uh, man, I love kids. Okay, uh, so those are all examples of how we use hope most often, I think, now. Like, we just, we wish, really. That's kind of what we mean when we say hope normally, is just a, a wish. Like, I hope this is true. I hope, hope the Cardinals win the World Series next year, you know? I just hope, hope they do. And there's not, like, anything backing that up, necessarily. It's just a It'd be nice if this thing happened. Um, We can use hope in different ways, though, okay? Um, And so it could be just a wish, like the, I hope the Cardinals win the World Series, or I hope Thor Ragnarok is good. Um, I hope the new Star Wars movie is good, or, you know, there's all sorts of different things. We also um, could use it in, in maybe a more serious way. So, kids, is there maybe something that's a little bit more Landon? Okay, but it's a good point, though, because you could, you could hope something, or you could, like, have hope, and that's different, right? It's, it's not like I'm just wishing, but if I have hope, then that's something that almost that you can, like, hold on to, like an object, kind of, which is different. Um, and so we're going to see in the Bible, actually, both of those kinds are used, um, but we're really only going to talk about mostly the second one. Um, 
Uh, and there's a lot of different hopes. And specifically, when we talk about hope for Advent and around Christmas time, we're talking about hope that's associated with some sort of promise. Okay? It's not just a wish out there in the future. So I think an example, um, kind of outside of the Bible example, would be something like if I said, I hope my wife will still love me tomorrow. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not meaning that in like a frivolous, I'm not sure kind of way, like we have made promises to one another, right? We have committed to one another that we will do that. And so I'm not, it's not just a wish. It is based on a promise and based on things that I believe about, that have happened in the past. And I'm believing those things and kind of pushing them out in, in front. So, so kids, today, when we talk about hope, and you can talk more with your parents about this afterwards, maybe over lunch, you can ask them what they hope in. Um, but today we're looking at how hope is really what we believe about God and what he's done, but applied out in front of us in the future. Like, how are we going to live our life going forward? And so we're going to look at what God has promised us and kind of push that out um, forward. So, um, like I said, the Bible uses hope in a ton of different ways. And in a second, I'm just going to put a bunch of them up there. But it's in the Bible um, like 164 times, the word hope. So it's not, it's not like it's sparse. Um, can we get the first couple ones up there? And so I'm just, we're going to go through these real fast just to see that it's used in all the sorts of different ways. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Um, yes, uh, and besides this, now we know the third day since these things have happened. And it's really hard to see, but it, it actually says the reference. It's Luke 24, 21. It's in blue, and that didn't show up at all. I apologize. And then uh, Romans 15, I hope to see you in passing as we go to Spain. That's kind of the wish, right? Just uh, So it's a different way. Keep going. Um, and there's a bunch of them up there, and they're in bold. When he saw her owners, and he saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul. Um, the next one, for my hope is from him. You can see hope is just all over the place, and it's used a whole bunch of different ways. So we can't say, we can't look at the Bible and say, hope in the Bible always means this thing. It really, the biblical authors used it kind of the way we do. Sometimes it's just kind of a wish. Sometimes it's uh, more solid. Um, but today, when we are going to talk about hope, um, we mean looking forward to the promises of God and kind of how they're applied in the future. Uh, I have one more question for, for kids and adults alike. Adults don't get to chime in as much as the kids. So here we go. Trivia time. Who knows which book of the Bible contains the word hope the most times? Anybody? Matt says Hebrews. I'm sorry, Matt. That is incorrect. It's not even in the top seven. <laughs> not James. Psalms is number one by a fair margin. It's also, you know, pretty lengthy, so that makes sense. Uh, 28 times. 28 of the 164 times is Psalms. What's second? This was surprising. Psalms wasn't all that surprising to me. Second was... Bit of a shocker. Nope. <laughs> no, Proverbs is tied for sixth with Jeremiah. Eight times in Proverbs and Jeremiah. Job is number two with 21 times, almost twice as much as third place, which I think is interesting because if you know what Job is about, it's just a whole lot of suffering, but also apparently a whole lot of hope. 
Um, and then Romans 13, Acts and Isaiah both have nine, and then Jeremiah and Proverbs eight, and then a bunch of them from there. But one thing I did think was interesting when I was looking at this kind of word study on hope, uh, Psalm, 19, Psalm 119, excuse me, which is all about the commandments of God, um, eight times in that one chapter alone. So I think it's maybe telling or informative that hope gets used a whole lot in the book of Job, where we see a whole bunch of suffering, and we also see hope used a whole lot when we're talking about the importance of Scripture. So I thought that was, I thought that was neat and helpful for me to think about uh, uh, preparing this. But whenever we use hope, whether it's in the Christian context or, or not, um, it always kind of has two parts. We always see something desirable and something future. So it's something you desire and something in the future. And I say desirable and not good because of Drew. Uh, No, because we can desire things that are not good, right? And so, like, we can can want things that are not good for us. And so, like, you could hope in something that will let you down. Um, And so... uh, so kind of in a, in a general sense, hope is something desirable and it's something in the future. In the Christian context, we know that the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, and so it's not a big leap to say when we're talking about hope in the Christian context, we can say it's good because it comes from God and, and it should be rooted in God. And so we're looking at promises of God and things that God has done. Um, we're talking about a confidence uh, in God and good things from him in the future. And those good things could be all sorts of stuff. It could be uh, blessing, it could be deliverance, it could be um, a spouse or children or um, health or salvation, sanctification, uh, all sorts of stuff. So like just any kind of good coming from God. Uh, and we're looking, again, looking forward. And Hebrews uh, 11.1 gives us kind of a definition of both faith and uh, hope together a little bit. Um, It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it's kind of defining faith, but it's saying faith is when you hope for something, what you're looking back to. So like when you hope forward, you're looking back in faith, and that's the assurance that you have that these things in in front of you are going to happen. And so we see a connection, a tie between faith and hope. And I think I have definitions of both of them. These are my definitions. So first off, I apologize if there are grammar mistakes in there. I don't know. I'm just bad at grammar. But anyway, um, here's how I am kind of looking at defining these, these things for us today. So hope is a confident belief in God and him acting on your behalf in the future. And faith is a confident belief in God and him acting on your behalf in the past and present. And so really, really, they're kind of the same thing. And what we're looking at is hope is just faith in the future, in the future tense. So we're looking forward um, and not back or, or in the present. Uh, hope is simply believing that what God says about your future, who he says you are, what he says will happen, is going to happen. Um, and faith is, again, it's looking back at, what, at who God is, what he's done, and really, really believing uh, those things. 
And then hope is taking those beliefs, those things that he says are true, those promises that he's made to you, um, those things that he says will come to pass, and pushing them out in front of you and looking at, okay, so how does that change the way I live? How does that affect um, how I take my next step and how I plan the 10 steps after that and and going forward? Uh, It's walking in the belief of your faith. So why is hope important? Um, I think sometimes the best way to understand why something's important is if we look at uh, what would happen without it. So if we, you know you took something away, sometimes you understand why that thing's important. And anyone who has ever attempted a diet of any kind knows this is very true, right? If you're cutting out chocolate, all you ever want is chocolate, right? If you're cutting out carbs, you just want a big plate of spaghetti. Um, and so I think I think we can see that hopefully with this. So first... Since they're related, we're going to look at faith. Okay, I have a a real question. Real question coming at you. What would the Christian life look like if you had no faith? If there is no faith, no faith at all in God, what what does the Christian life look like? Real, Real question. Boring, okay. No purpose. Sinful. I think all those things are true. And really, I think we could just say, like, it it doesn't exist, right? It's not a thing. Like, faith is the foundation of the Christian life. And so if you don't have faith, you are not... Christianity does not exist in that context, if there's not faith. Um, And so, same idea with hope. What would the Christian Christian life look like without hope? If hope is faith in front of you, what does that look like? If only things were true behind us, but we had nothing to look forward to, what does that look like? Again, I I don't... Oh, yeah. Bleak. Excellent vocabulary word and absolutely true. Uh, Yeah, bleak. Jeshua. Yeah, like what do you what do you uh, what are you telling them? If you have nothing to hope for, you have there's no uh, nothing to talk to people about. Like Jesus did this stuff. Cool. What's that mean for me in the future? Uh, you know, like it, it it doesn't exist without hope. Uh, we don't have we don't have Christianity is is reliant on faith and hope, both those things together. Um, And Ephesians 2, I think, hits this really hard. Um, It says, remember that at that time, sorry, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. So this is kind of like without faith, what's going on. And it says, uh, having no hope and without God in the world. Full stop, right? Uh, that's a big. That's a big thing. Separated from Christ, you have no hope. Period. And I think that that period should. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm bad with grammar, but there should be something a lot stronger than a period. Like I feel like sometimes when we read, we just blast through punctuation and just keep going to the next thing. But that's a big stop right there. Having no hope in the world, or having no hope and without God in the world. Like, that's where we all were. 
Um, and we sometimes talk about how the good news of the gospel is, is really good news as an answer to bad news. And I think this connects to hope big time, big time too, because in the Bible, most often, and I said we use it a lot of different ways, but most often, we're not seeing people like uh, wishing for that third donkey so they don't have to share one with their brother, right? They're not looking for like just kind of an extra add-on blessing in their life. They're looking for deliverance from something uh, big. They're, they're hoping that God will rescue them from, their, uh, from the mess that they're in. Uh, they're, they're hoping in despair and distress, like Job. We said Job is the most, second most uh, place where we find hope. Um, and here's why I think hope is really, really important. Uh, there is a lot of gray in the world we live in, right? Things are, it's gray. Uh, but I believe that when it all shakes down at the end uh, of all things, the God of the Bible is either real or he isn't. And according to what we believe uh, is his word, he has a standard. And that, again, when it's all said and done, you either measure up or you don't. Those are things that aren't gray. God is real or he isn't, and you either measure up to his standard or you don't. And uh, the Bible tells us that standard is very, very high. It is perfection uh, and when the time comes, we don't get a redo, right? We don't get a redo. We don't get to, like, pay a fine and go on in anyway. Um, we don't get to just say sorry and, and move on in. Um, like, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. Those are real places that really exist, that people will really spend eternity in. Uh, and that's a big deal. And the massive problem is that we don't measure up. And the Bible is also very clear about that. We don't, we don't meet the standard. Uh, and that's where we all, uh, that's where we all are apart from God. Uh, we are without God and hopeless. And we desperately need hope. We desperately need something to hope in, someone to hope in. Uh, but apart from Jesus, we have, we have nothing. And so that's, that's why I think hope is important, because of, the, because of what's on the line, right? We need something to look to. Um, and um, in Scripture, since the beginning, God has been, um, he's been putting hope out there. Okay, in, in Genesis um, and all throughout the Old Testament, he's been giving his people, the people of Israel, promises of a redeemer, of a savior, someone who would come to them. Um, someone who would come and reign eternally, who would sit on the throne forever. Um, but again, that's, that's still a problem because I am not a person of Israel. I am not Jewish. So I'm not one of those people. And to my knowledge... Most or all of you are also not in that boat. And so uh, we needed more. Well, it's good because also um, in Isaiah and in other places, we see that, that this king would make the Gentiles rejoice too. So that's us, right? Gentiles. Um, in Romans 15, verse 4, we see um, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction and that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's good. Um, 
And so it says, therefore, uh, I'm skipping down to verse 9. Um, I'll catch those middle ones later. But uh, verse 4 and then down to verse 9. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And then and again in another place. Rejoice, O Israel, or rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, and even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So he's also promising hope to Gentiles. There's this king who's coming. And that's starting to sound better for us, right? Um, so there is hope. It is promised in the Bible. Um, and so then the third question, what does Jesus have to do with that? A lot is the short answer. He has a lot to do with that. Um, so uh, I have read a few different passages in Scripture. I read uh, part of Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2.12. That was the one that said, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Period. But there's more. There's more. We stopped there, but um, we have the rest of it. Somewhere. Next one. Maybe. Nope, that's not it. Never mind. Um, it goes on. So, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has, bo- has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So, um, we were uh, alienated with no hope, without God in the world, but now in Christ, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And again, I think that's, I I separated those on on purpose because I think that period, if you just blast through it and read, you have no hope here, now there's hope. And you don't let that sink in. I think you can rob some of the weight of it. And uh, the Romans passage, Romans 15, uh, I did four and then jumped all the way down to nine. So 4, Romans 15, verse 4 says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony uh, with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together, so here's why, here's why he's giving us hope, so that together in one accord with Christ Jesus that you may... uh, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm, to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Um, and then it goes on and it talks about all those places where it also applies to the Gentiles. So, apart from Jesus, we have no hope. With Jesus, we have all the hope um, that he's promised. Um, since the beginning, Genesis, um, the Jews had a, had a, hope, uh, a savior to hope for. Um, so Jesus has always been their hope. They didn't know that it would be Jesus, but they knew that there was a Messiah coming. Um, but before, the Gent- before Jesus was born, the Gentiles had no hope. So we had no hope um, for um, reconciling with God. No option, no way to rectify our right standing before God. Um, But with Jesus, we have something to hope for. So that's why Jesus matters, is because he brings uh, the Gentiles into uh, the people of God. 
Um, he gives us someone to look to out into our future and think things aren't always going to be this way. Um, He is a person whose words, if they're true, um, are worth following wherever you are called because you know it's worth it. Okay, so if you believe in that truth, if you believe in Jesus uh, and what he says is going to happen out here, then he's worth it. Um, but hope is not, it's not wishful thinking like we talked about. It's not... Um, we're not blind to the realities around us. It's not ignoring sin and brokenness in the world um, and just thinking things are going to be great. Uh, godly hope is seeing brokenness in the world and knowing that, um, that it isn't how things are supposed to be and that one day, because of Jesus, uh, there won't be, it won't be that way anymore. And he's called us to work toward that goal now. So like we are to work towards um, reconciling people to him now. Um, hope is not looking at the sin in our life and just kind of wishing it would go away. Um, hope is knowing that through faith in Christ we've been adopted into his family and working that faith out into obedience uh, by looking at what's coming ahead. Hope is not wallowing in your circumstances when things are bad and just wishing that they would get better. Um, hope is looking at uh, the mess your life is in right now and knowing that as bad as it may be, it doesn't compare to the wonderful things God has uh, in store for you forever. Um, hope is not uh, good vibes or karma or even probability. Uh, hope is founded in the promises of God, the Father, and purchased by Christ, and they're being worked out through the Spirit in us now. Uh, so I've saved kind of the big passage that I want to read for the end. Um, and it says hope a few times in the middle, this passage does, but really the, I think the whole chapter is about hope. It only says hope two times. It's right in the middle. But, uh, but the whole thing is about hope. Um, so it's Romans 8, which is a big passage, and there's no way I will possibly cover even the tip of what you could talk about with Romans 8. Um, but we're going to read the whole thing. It's 39 verses. It's a lot of verses. Um, but I want you to kind of get the feel for, for this passage and where we're going to see hope. Because like I said, it says hope a couple times in the middle. But I think if you only look at those verses that say the word hope in them, we're going to miss a lot. Um, so I'm going to kind of summarize first, and then we'll read. We'll actually read it. So it starts out, and it's going to talk a lot about um, who God is, what he's done, things we should desire, um, things people who don't desire God, what they do. So kind of like how, how we live kind of in the moment, um, things we should want, things we, things we shouldn't, um, having the Spirit, things like that. Um, then it's going to talk a little bit. It's going to go into suffering just a little bit, and then we're going to see hope mentioned a couple times. Okay, and then, what, then what's going to happen is I think if you pay attention, we're going to turn a corner and it's going to go from talking about the promises of God in the past and kind of an introspective things that you should, uh, things that you should desire um, and go outward into like because of what God has done, look at all this thing. Like you are free in so many different ways. You don't have to be burdened uh, by following God. You are free to follow him and uh, kind of like unleashed 
Um, and so, anyway, we're going to read it. I might stop a couple times and explain something. I'm not sure. We'll just see what happens. Um, <clears throat> but again, keep in mind, hope is confident belief in something in the future, something good from God for you in the future. So don't just wait for where it says that four-letter word hope and think that's the only time it talks about hope. Okay, um, so here we go. We're going to read this whole thing. Romans 8. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live, in according, who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the, his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're going to pause for a second. Uh, so we're getting ready to turn this corner here. Um, but I think all of that, and I don't want to downplay the importance of this um, in compared to the other one, but we're talking about hope, so I'm, I'm, I want to emphasize the future aspect. Most of the stuff in that first part is, is past or, or present and talking about like things you should desire. Okay, and I think, uh, I think we, we should see that. It's, it's past, it's things we should desire, it's what God has done, um, and kind of who, who are his people and what they're like. Um, okay, so here we go. So we're going to look at, look at what's coming in the future. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies." 
For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen, or hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good, for the purpose who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, the one who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like what? I I don't know how you can have more hope than those last few statements. Like, uh, if you are his and you and you you trust in Christ for salvation i mean nothing he will pursue you he who did not spare his own son and it i'm sure i don't still completely understand all the depths of that statement um but what more could he do for you Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And when Jesus came, like he, he, brought, he brought that love to us. Uh, he didn't have to, uh, but he did. And, and through that, we have, we have hope. And we can walk forward knowing that no matter what comes our way, we have promises, both, both now and for forever. That he, uh, that he will keep. Our God is, our God is worthy, and um, and we can hope in in Him forever. So uh, Sean's going to come and introduce the, uh, or not Sean, Jason's going to come and introduce the Lord's Supper. Um, but I would I would encourage you um, as as Christmas comes and um, as we move forward and, and we get into busyness, think through what it means to hope and actually have hope going forward um, through Christ. Um, Believing those things that he says are true um, about himself, about you, and about the future. And what does that look like? And how how should your life be different based on hoping in God sending his son uh, 
for us.